At Founders Brewing Company, we set out to create a beer that lets you embrace the unconventional. Mortal Bloom is a radiantly beautiful, hazy IPA that will wrap your taste buds with intense citrus and tropical notes of pineapple and mango. Coming in at 6.2% ABV with big aromatics and no bitterness, it's the perfect beer, if we do say so ourselves. Visit foundersbrewing.com to find Mortal Bloom Hazy IPA. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help raise your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Welcome back, everybody, to Ruin. My name is Hallie. My name is Allison. And this is Ruin, a podcast where we ruin a horror movie for you. Yeah. So I hope you're here for that. And if not, either get way, the you're hell stuck. Out. You're stuck with us. Yeah. This podcast is part of a part of a curse. You are now yes. you are now forced <laughs> to listen to every episode, whether or not you planned for that. Yes. Thank yes. you for joining us in Hell. Every week we like to answer a question from our, our wonderful audience who sends us questions. And also, please, send us more questions. <laughs> we, we love all We of like them. to answer questions. We will get to all of them in time. So we really yes. appreciate any thoughts. Yes. Light complaints are allowed. Nothing crazy. Yeah. You know, we're, we're fragile. Pieces of information that we didn't have, we'll take it. We'll Absolutely. take pretty much anything. Uh, but we do have a question from uh, Camille M., a listener. We're never going to give away your full name, even if you give it to us, because we don't want your identity to get stolen. Um, exactly, that's, and that's that how it works. On this podcast, we care about a lot. <laughs> One of the only things I care about is constantly thinking about not getting my identity <laughs> stolen. <laughs> yeah. We talk about it every week. Um, we should. People com- should be thinking about it. We should be talking about it all. The- we shouldn't even be talking about a movie. We should just be talking about identity theft every every episode. That but- should be- we'll- when we do our second, we'll do a spinoff. It'll just be about identity yeah, theft. Yeah, it'll be just us giving. We don't even have uh, tips or anything. We're-, we're just constantly afraid of it. It's just uh, us screaming since- into the void. It's <laughs> just like, no, not my social security. All right, so ha- uh, Camille M. asked, I'm wondering if you all have a ritual for either pre- or post-recording of an episode. And I, Hallie, do you have any rituals that you do before or after uh, we create this incredible piece of art for people every week? Well, you know, Allison, thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> I, you know, my ritual is I, I, I purchased, for example, today, I purchased a powder from Trader Joe's, and it is cold brew, like just a powder mix. Okay. Because... I want a cold brew. I know you could use the packets. They're kind of expensive. So I'm like, I'll just get the powder and stir it into cold water. And mm-hmm. I took a sip mm-hmm. of that. And I am I... on a rocket ship to Mars. <laughs> and I would say, if you're out there and you're like, ah, I'm trying to cut back. I need like a uh, less expensive alternative to cocaine. Get yeah. yourself to Trader Joe's. Because you are going to be <laughs> tap dancing on the ceiling like I am right now. So I guess that's my only ritual. Is like I just consume as much caffeine as I can to give yes. myself the energy to... Uh, get through these films. What about yes, you, Allison? I also, I also, before an episode, uh, heavily caffeinate. I do like a cold brew or two in the morning and then usually a Diet Coke right before we do you this so em. that I have to constantly lean away from my mic to burp. <laughs> um, it's a constant nightmare. And then uh, I would say after the episode, I'm usually, I was so jacked up and mm-hmm. then I'm so uh, exhausted by the uh, brutal hard work we put in doing this that I uh, lay on the ground for an hour. <laughs> we act like what we're doing is like, 
Like we're like <laughs> so taxing. Led Zeppelin, or like we're touring. Like we're like these giants I'm of Lizzo. monster yeah. rock or something. And it's like we're sitting the whole time. We are sitting in place <laughs> talking for yes. two two and a half hours at a stretch. And they were like, "That's it. I'm, I'm yeah. done." And we're friends. We know each other. Like it's not even like the pulling teeth of talking to like some awful person you don't know. Like this is fun, but it's still tiring for us. Um, so thank you for asking the question. Yes. Um, yes. I don't know. I feel like now I want to do like some sort of dark ar- arcane ritual, like something more elaborate. Yeah. So yeah. We'll have to think I feel like that. we should be like, you know, rubbing a, 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 a spooky mirror and saying some scary words into it or something. We're going we're gonna to workshop that. Thank you so much for emailing we'll us, Camille. Um, before yes. we get going, um, we got uh, the movie we're going to do this week was recommended to us. We were recommended by Kylie M via email. Sophie G via Instagram and Dom on Instagram as well. So thank you so much for the recommendation. And the movie we are doing this week is, of course, High Tension. And I was going to try to pronounce the original French title, but I'm not going to. You can look it up. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) I will say, so not that this will affect my telling of it as I am currently speaking English to you, but Mm -hmm. there is the original version of High Tension High Tension, the French version. It was released in 2003, and then it was released in America in 2005, and it is a dubbed version. Now, a lot of people have strong opinions about this, and I normally don't, but when I was trying to find the just regular French version, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to find it, at least on streaming, where I'm where I'm live, you know? Interesting. Interesting. And that's fine. I thought the dubbed version was great. It's also not a movie with, like, um, that much dialogue compared to a lot of horror movies, so I don't think it made that much of a difference. But I guess it was the first movie I've ever had an opinion where I'm like, well, you didn't have to do that. Like, I, I, you know, I would have gotten what's going on. It's a a, a very classic kind of horror movie. Yeah, but, like, would you have wanted subtitles? Would you prefer subtitles to dubbing, or in this case... Because for this, I feel like, yeah, even just from the trailer, there's not a lot of talking. So, like, I can handle things, like, not matching up, like, with the audio and the and the video for some dubbing because it doesn't seem like there was much of that. Yeah, I feel like I'm someone who prefers a subtitle just because I okay. have subtitles on everything anyways because I can't hear yes. things sometimes. I can't hear, yes. Um, but what do you feel? Do you care about dubbing? I guess I'm fine with it. Like, you know, I mean, I guess they did a good job, you know. Yeah, I think if it's done well... And, like, because I do feel like sometimes, like, subtitles do take me out of things, even though, like, especially with all of, like, the the prestige dramas that we watch that are so dark and hard to hear. Yeah, and the sound that, like, design having a bunch of, is not having a bunch of subtitles yeah. does kind of, like, take you out of it a little bit because you're like, you're like, this isn't the mood that the directors here were going for. But unfortunately, it was recorded inside of a tin can, and I have no idea what they're saying. So. Yeah. So, yeah, so just to be clear, I'm looking at Wikipedia just to make sure. So there is an original cut that was rated in NC-17 in the U.S., and then it was cut by Lionsgate and dubbed into English when it was released in America. So that is the one I watched. If I'm able to— so was the French scarier? I I guess so. (laughs) I mean— Sexier? (laughs) I mean, it may have been. Oh, actually, you know, Wikipedia has all the stuff that was cut out. So at the end of the episode, I'll just read down what we missed out. How about that? Great, great, great. Perfect. Um, perfect. All right. Wikipedia, thanks again for saving our asses. You are truly the most important resource that we have. So having uh, watched the trailer, Allison, how, what are your first thoughts about High Tension? 
It is one of the most appropriately named movies yes, we have done. Absolutely. For the, fe- the, the feeling and the sensibility of watching that trailer, I was like, yes, this is tense. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very, like, I was, like, holding my breath the whole time um, that it is that kind of movie. And uh, it just, it looks, it's very, like, classic. I'm like, I, I understand, like, the premise from the trailer. Like, it's not a lot of, like, well, then who's, like, it's mm-hmm. like, someone's after someone. You have to hide. That's kind of it. Or is it, Allison? It's like, or is it? Of course, there's like going to be a twist and more information. <laughs> but just like that kind of basic horror movie trope of like escaping is yes. such a nice, clear thing to be able to watch. Uh, we also like to take a baseline scary. And um, uh, based on the premise of the film, Allison, how scary do you find the concept of internalized misogyny? Oh, I mean, very scary, but a scary that I have absolutely uh, learned to live with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I now I'm like, how could the, I'm very intrigued and in how this is the question for this movie. Um, I do know it is about um, uh, is it a lesbian couple or a lesbian woman. I simply I know, will it not is, be are, ask, answering any questions. We are doing this during Pride Month, so enjoy um, all of the fun movies that we'll be doing during Pride Month that feature uh, LGBTQ plus uh, casts and uh, characters. So, um, Hopefully cast. I hope they're all cast appropriately. <laughs> I don't think they are. I have not checked nope. this one. Hey, this is the early no. 2000s, which we've also learned from Cabin yeah. Fever. You yeah. know, we've made a lot of progress Appro- even since yes. then. Yes. So I I'll, I could double check to make sure I don't I don't think so but um, okay well either way um, I forget oh internalized misogyny I'm like losing my mind already we haven't even started <laughs> um, scary very scary <laughs> and then do you want a twist this this movie has a twist it is a full you know full on twist do you want to try to guess based on the limited knowledge you have and the trailer what that Ooh. twist might be Allison. the twist. I'm going to guess that maybe the person who is after the lead and is hunting her uh, is someone she knows. Great. Excellent guess. That's my guess. Love it. Can't wait. So let us begin. <laughs> we are about to ruin High Tension, um, which was also interestingly released as Switchblade Romance in the United Kingdom. I don't know why. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Alexa- uh, directed by Alexandre Asia. And written by him and Gregory Lavasseur. Why did I try to even attempt um, <laughs> French names? I don't know. But let us begin by ruining the movie High Tension. Um, we open on a woman's dangling feet in the south of France. We see a woman. Her name is Marie. She's in a, well, you know, you've seen a horror movie. You know what I'm talking about. A mental institution. Oh, of course. And of she course. is whispering to herself over and over again, we will never be apart again. We will never, we will always be f- together. She's reciting this just herself. She is badly beaten. We see her back is gouged. You know, she has clearly been through something horribly traumatic and now is rocking, rubbing her hands together in some sort of facility. That's where we're beginning. Wow. We okay. then see this woman, Marie, running through the forest covered in blood, you know, clearly having been through something terrible, and she runs out okay. onto the road, and a car veers, uh, luckily not not hitting her, and the person in the car is only credited as man in the car, and I'm not even, again, <laughs> it, it, which I'm trying to translate is, I'm not, I can't say anything, 
But he does not give it a name. He's simply the man in the car. Marie finally makes it to the driver's side window and screams for help. Cut to Marie waking up in the back seat of a car. And we know because she looks fine, she's not covered in bruises. And we are now in a vivid, rich, sunlit, like, um, cinematography okay. decision sure. that we are looking at the past. So what we okay. have set up is what is going to happen at the end of the film, seeding the mystery. Wow. Now okay. Marie, she's having a great time, and she is driving with her friend Alex to Alex's parents' house in rural France and uh, for to study. And at some point they mentioned they're doing international law, so I'm assuming they're in law school. They could be undergrads. Right. But either way, they're good friends, and it's clear from early on that Marie has a crush on Alex. And okay. sort of, you know, uh, at a certain point, she's sort of just, like, looking at her, and Alex makes a comment on it. And we just sort of see these, like, little looks that, as far as we can tell, are not reciprocated. But it, but also, it's not okay. like Marie's telling Alex, I like you, you know. Right. These are okay. good friends, and Marie clearly is the friend who wants more than just friendship. Okay. And because Got it's it. France and it's 2003. Already scary. <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, the pressure of having a friend, That's... having to, uh, what is this? You know, like Ugh. having your friend tell you they love you, you know, even that's terrifying. Yeah. That's a lot. Emotional maturity is terrifying. Yeah. And there's none of it in this movie, so you don't worry about it either. Phew. And Marie tells Alex, I just woke up for the craziest dream. I was in a forest running barefoot. I was hurt and I was being followed by somebody. And, well, the more I ran, the more I could sense him coming. Who was the guy stalking? It wasn't a guy, it was me. That's the weirdest part. It was me running after me. Don't you ever have normal dreams? No. But it's 2003, and it's beautiful outside, and it's France, so they're smoking cigarettes, and... It looks it just looks like an amazing road trip, and it's like yes, I, and that's why I love when a horror movie sets up like a really idyllic situation at the beginning, where it's like right. I wish I was swinging a cigarette and driving through the yes. south of France. Yes, with my friend who I'm in love with. Not the other part, but you know. <laughs> and so we do have this little moment where Marie becomes sort of like irate because Alex remembers last weekend where she went off with some guy and kind of ditched Marie for a couple hours, and, and Marie ended up getting okay. super drunk. And they sort of have an argument, and Marie calls her a slut. And it's sort of like a comical, like, how you save your friend, you're a slut. But we could tell that it's not just like, oh, my God, you're such a slut. Yes. You know, it's just like... Right. There's also something a little bit more sharp yes. there. There's a level of anger at the idea of, like, why are you out just fucking random guys? Like, clearly this is... We have something going on. Yeah. Um, so we're driving there, and they, uh, Alex's parents live in fucking nowhere. Like, they are driving. This is like uh, children on the corn level, middle of nowhere. Like, they are driving for hours. They have to drive through the darkness um, to this house. And, of course, like every horror movie, when they finally get to the driveway, they turn onto the parents' driveway, and they are driving four kilometers, essentially through a cornfield. There are no neighbors. There's nothing nearby. Like, even if you got to the road, you cannot run anywhere. I don't think people should be living out there. I, I just don't think I, like, if other people want to live there, like, I'm not going, you know? Right. Like, I don't want, like, I'm not going on that journey to get there. That's not worth it to me. We also find out that Alex's parents have just moved there six months ago. So, like, sort of, they're like, oh, oh are we living our fantasy of, like, farm life, you know? Absolutely no. not. No. Um, we also see before the uh, couple gets, the, the girls get there, that uh, we see Alex's mom is, like, hanging a blonde in the line. And Alex has a much younger brother named Tom. 
And again, I'm very bad at kids' ages. I'm going to say seven or eight. So, you know, let's say she's in her early 20s. He's at least a decade or more younger. Okay. So he's like sort of a late in life baby. Mm, mm -hmm. But he's adorable Mm -hmm. and he's just like a cowboy. He's like, I don't want to take a bath. I need to show Alex my cowboy outfit. And mom's like, you can put it back on after you take a bath. I know. And so it's like this very bucolic, beautiful. Yes, I love this. Yeah. So I was like, I understand. Okay, I get why they moved out there. Again, it turns out to be a huge mistake. Unfortunately, while we have these two different uh, scenarios, the the girls in the car and the family at their like old, rambling, but adorable farmhouse, we also have another scene. And it is the uh, the villain of our movie. He is known only as the killer or le toi. I'm sorry if you're French that you have to hear me try to do this. He's uh, in, uh, like we saw in Jeepers Creepers, some sort of insane slaughterhouse truck that no Great. human, like at least in America, right. I had never seen one of those trucks, you know, driving yeah, yeah, around. Yeah. And if you right. do this see that. This isn't just like going through a toll booth ahead of you. Exactly. Like, this is yeah, I don't know where you, scary. I don't know if you have to like get in hell and then drive it back to Earth. Yes. To Earth. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. What a we trip. see the killer in the, he's parked in the cornfield somewhere and it looks like he's jerking off. Allison, I'm sad to say it's much worse. He's masturbating with a woman's severed head. No. Which he then throws out into the cornfield when he's done and drives off. Oh, my God. And I know I say this a lot, but it bears (sighs) repeating, you hate to see it. I hate to hear it. I know. And (laughs) I'm telling you, it's only going to get worse from there. So, How, what's worse than that? How, I don't even, I, I'm right. sorry I mean, to I guess say, we're going there. We're, we're about going. to find out. So, um, Alex and Marie finally get to Alex's parents' house, again, in the middle of the goddamn nowhere. And they have this moment where they're driving down, and it's dark. They're in the middle of the cornfield, and Alex says, stop the car. I think someone's in the cornfield. If you see someone in the cornfield, you go. Stop the, yeah, stop the car is not part of the discussion. You don't it's stop, Drive you the car go. faster. They, There's yeah, someone you, in the cornfield. Someone's in the cornfield. <laughs> Put the pedal to fucking metal. We have to get yeah. out of here. Yeah, keep going until we can't see anything anymore. Like, we can't be here. Alex leaps out of the car and is, like, going into the cornfield. Marie, who is now driving, is like, what are you doing? Like, I puts the car, you know, stops the car and, and starts following her. And she's like, if this is a prank, I'm going to be really pissed. Suddenly, Marie hears the car start behind her and runs back. Oh. And Alex is driving the car away. And Marie's like, please don't leave me in the dark. And then Alex stops the car and she laughs. And she's like, oh, it was just a prank. I would demand to go home right then. This bitch, I mean. Absolutely that, not. Like, I'd be like, the crush is over. You're an asshole. Right, that was it. We got to wrap, wrap on the crush. Yeah. Um. So they, but anyway, they end up making it to Alex's parents' house. And um, Tom is like barely awake. And so his sister's putting him to bed. The mom's getting ready to bed. You know, and it's just like this adorable, like, you know, they have like dinner waiting in the oven and it's like beautiful and you hear all the the frogs chirping. Is that what they do? Calling? I don't know. They're like ribbiting? They're ribbiting. And so um, the rest of the family goes to sleep after they like greet them and then Alex and Marie stay up to eat and like smoke cigarettes. And also in an interesting decision, the parents have two beautiful parrots in a gigantic cage in the living room. No. And they don't play into the movie at all, but it's just like, oh, so they're parrot people. Yeah, that actually answers a lot of the desire to live on a farm questions that I had. And that just says a lot about who people are. And uh, during their conversation, 
Um, Alex tells Marie, you know, like, oh, when my parents first moved here, like, there are all these rednecks out here that were really, like, resentful because they thought, oh, this hippie couple's moving out here. They're going to, like, make an artisanal goat cheese farm and, like, drive us out of the area. But now everything's fine. But it intimates there were some problem with the locals before them. Okay. Um, and Marie is staying up in the guest room, which is in the attic, which is seemingly a little, okay. a little disappointed about that. Would have rather stay with Alex. Um, right. But she has like her own bathroom, and it's you know it seems fine. And so they're downstairs, and Alex starts complaining about the guy she hooked up the week prior. And she said, okay. the problem is, it turns out he has a girlfriend, and he doesn't want to leave her. And Marie's like, oh, why? He are sounds you? great. I know. She's like, why are you fucking this guy? Like this absolute loser. You're always like, you're such a slut. You're always fucking these guys that aren't worthy of you. Right. And Alex is like, well, what about you? Like, you don't date anybody. Like, what you're going to end up alone. And of course, Marie's like, well, oh, I mean, we're, we're in love, you know? Like, here we are. We're we're at your parents' house. Like, yeah. And there's <laughs> let's another. Do this. There's another moment where the dad, when they show up, the dad's like, oh, Marie, I recognize you from the photo that Alex gave us. And Marie's like, she gave you a photo with me in it, and because I guess they'd gone on vacation. She's like, so I'm like framed in the parents' house. Like, I'm in. Right. You know, that's you're in. You did it. That's all you need. So, unfortunately, because of this argument about this guy, like, they kind of end their conversation on, like, a sour note. And Alex is like, okay, I'm going to bed. And Marie's like, I'm going to go outside and smoke a cigarette and brood about my unrequited love. And um, uh, Alex uh, Alex goes out to bed and Marie goes outside to smoke. And, of course, she happens to be looking at Alex's room and she sees Alex showering. Get on. And sort of watching her from the darkness and smoking. I feel like I understand the desire but I think yeah. you gotta look away. You're only you're only making yourself more unhappy. Yeah, not even for like the from the perspective of the other person who like that's very violating. But like for your own like to protect your own self, like right. don't expose yourself to like all of the elements of this relationship that you're not getting. Exactly, like, and it seems very clear. Like Alex is, they're just friends. Yeah, she yeah like loves totally. her as a friend, but is not. That's not happening for no Marissa. romantic feelings. Yeah, yes. So after this, uh, Marie goes to bed and she puts in her headphones. She has a tape player. And she starts masturbating, presumably because she just saw Alex showering. And, yeah. you know, for a second, you're like, well, I guess everyone won't be murdered tonight. Allison, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you'd be wrong if you think that. Yeah. Everyone in their house is asleep, including they have this uh, uh, St. Bernard named Hendrix, who's adorable. He's also asleep. Oh, I love it. I love a big old dog. And everyone in his house is asleep except for Marie, but she has her headphones in and is masturbating. So she, you know, she's a little distracted. She's preoccupied. She yeah. doesn't notice that a vehicle is starting to drive down the driveway, Allison. Oh, my God. And unfortunately, nah. it's that big old slaughtermobile <laughs> that, the, that belongs to the killer, which we've seen previously. And that's what he was doing during the day with that severed head. Like, now it's nighttime. Right. This is, now it's night. This All is the right time for him. Oh, no. Yeah. So he shows up, and uh, he starts ringing the doorbell. Already call the cops. If somebody, if you live there and somebody calls, just call the cops. Just call the cops. You don't, like, you're just a family alone. So he's ringing the doorbell, and Alex's dad goes to check on him, and he opens, like, an interior front door, but there's still, like, a locked door between him. Yeah, like a screen door. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, it's I see like what you a mean. Wooden... Like, a, like a little entryway... Yeah, so it's like there's a door, but unfortunately it has windows. The killer just takes a hatchet or an axe, just fucking smashes through the glass of that door and hits Alex's dad in the head, knocking him out. And so now he's able to reach inside, unlock the door, and then the killer's just in the house now. In the house, like it's over. And so uh, Marie, by this point, has heard and woken up and is sort of like waiting to decide. She's she's, um, frozen with fear, 
But also yeah. it's like, should she run down and immediately get hatcheted to... You're sympathetic. Right. You know, you. I don't right. know what to yeah, do in that no, situation. I mean, well, like, because, like, I wouldn't be able, like, I'm like, I can't help. Yeah. So I'm only going to get hurt. <laughs> so uh, the killer immediately kills Hendrix the dog. I'm sorry. Oh, unnecessary. And um, the he takes the dad, and he, who is still alive, he's, he's in rough shape. He's, like, trying to crawl back to yeah. the stairs. Takes the dad's head, picks him up, kicks his head through the slats of the staircase so the dad can't escape. He then takes oh a God. huge bureau and shoves it super hard at the dad's head, crushing his skull. Now, oh my God. I do think that that would kill someone, but his head wouldn't explode. It's not like he shot the bureau right. out of a cannon. You know what I mean? So I'm like, right, okay. right, right. So that it would just yeah. kill someone. Yeah. So now the dog and Alex is dead, dead. So now, okay. by this point, Alex's mom and Tom have both woken up. Okay. And are like, you know, the mom tells him, hide in your room, do not come out. You know, I'm going to figure out what's going on. Unfortunately, when she goes downstairs calling for her husband, the killer is waiting with a straight razor. Jesus. And Marie's in the so room. Violent. Again, quiet, not sure what to do. And she just hears Alex's mom being brutally attacked by this guy. Oh, my God. And, and oh, like, my God. It's, it's just like her paralyzed. And so there's no phone in the room. So... She, but there's an unplugged landline phone, and she realizes there's like a phone jack in the wall. Of course, it's behind this gigantic piece of furniture. So she's trying to haul it away to try to plug in the phone. No. And this is right that moment where like some people had cell phones and other people didn't. Yes. And unfortunately, the people in this house did not have it. So again, a reminder, That's, keep your you cell phone. You should have to have a charged. cell phone if you're going to live that far away from other things. Yeah, you'd think, I guess we weren't thinking that way. And to right. be fair, this is a situation that doesn't happen to a ton of people. Yeah, but not I agree. If I would, If I lived in a remote area, I would want both. I'd want a landline. I'd want a cell phone. And I'd want a satellite yes. phone. I'd want a radio you can crank. I'd mm-hmm. want to have everything mm-hmm. to feel yes. connected just in case, this kind mm-hmm. of thing. Because... Here we are. So unfortunately, you know, and she's kind of using the cover of Alex's mom being attacked to move the furniture. And then suddenly it's silent and she could hear the killer walking up the stairs. (gasps) Allison, I ask you now, what would you do? What would you do? I mean... I've, I know what you're going to say. My real answer is I would just find a way to kill myself and kill myself because there's no escaping and no, like, there's no good outcome for this. And also we know, like, a touch of, like, where she does end up, so it's, like, better to be dead. Um, I think this is where I would somehow, is there a window in her room? Yes, she is on the third floor, but there is a window. Right. I feel like I would try and climb onto the roof of the house. That's smart, Yeah. And just stay perfectly, like, not make, like, I mean, obviously now that it's silent, that's harder to do because, like, he would hear that. But, like, try and figure out how to, like, time out getting on. I would, I, everybody else is lost. Like, there is yeah. no saving other people. And I would just try and get onto the roof and stay as silent as possible until he has clear and, like, shut the window behind you. Like, so th- there's no reason he would think you're up there and just stay put until he leaves. Right, because he does not know, like, this is a guest room. Like, he, he, it's not like we, yeah. we don't, our legends to believe that the killer had, would have any way of her knowing she's there. So, right. you know, as we find out in a little bit, the killer, seems like the killer had his eye on Alex. So, she's you know, like, maybe. you and me both, sir. Right, listen, we've all been there. This is what I we get to do with them. And so, um, 
she, you know, started like, so maybe he knew, you know, all these things about the family, mm-hmm. but he, how would he know if she's there? So she does the thing that I think I would do because it's like not that smart, but you see her hide behind the shower curtain. Yes. Unfortunately, the killer comes in and it's this creeping, he's like slowly inspecting uh-huh. the entire room and she's very smart. She didn't have the heater turned on and he checks the heater and he goes to the sink and she had dried off the sink so he wouldn't yes, see the water. in the trailer. Unfortunately, he touches the faucet head and it's still <sighs> wet. So he's like, somebody was in this room. And he rips mm-hmm. back the shower curtain, but she's not there. And he creeps around and he lifts off the mattress and he doesn't see anybody. And then he slowly makes his way out of the room and we see Marie curled in a little fetal position ball mm-hmm. on the far corner of the mattress. So had he lifted up yes. the entire mattress, she'd be he dead. would have seen. Yes. And she silently, you know, like has her her hands over her mouth trying not to scream. Yes. So unfortunately, the only two people left alive other than her is Alex and Tom. And Alex sleeps, we find out, with earplugs in. So the reason she hasn't woken up is she doesn't know this is going on. She doesn't know that this man is in their house yet. Unfortunately, she does figure it out when she wakes up with a start and the killer is just holding a straight razor to her throat. So now she's screaming, (sighs) but Marie's like, okay, so now I can move the bureau and plug in the phone. Now that there's sound. She's trying to pull it out. She pulls it away from the wall. Unfortunately, it's not a phone jack. It's like for a TV jack. I don't know European outlets. A cable, yeah. Yeah, but it's something that we don't, I wasn't familiar with, but it's a TV thing, so she can't plug in the phone. So now she's like, all right, I got to get the fuck out of this room and go somewhere else in the house to try to look to a phone. And uh, and I, at this point, I was like, I would jump out of a third-story window at this point. I would jump out of a third-story like, window. If I break my legs, I could maybe try to crawl into the cornfield and hide and maybe just yes. wait it out. I mean, you could die, I think, too. I, I don't know. And you could, like, cl- you could scale down the house, probably, with, like, where window placement Green is pipe. or, like, a, a yeah, Vines. exactly, like a yeah. trellis or something. Like, you could figure out a way to not, like, just, like, do a, like, yeah, to jump purely from third floor. So Marie makes it down to the parents' master bedroom, and she's looking around for a phone. She can't find it, and she hears a sound behind her. And she ducks into the closet with those uh, those slats, which we've used in cinema. Yes. I mean, that's the number one thing you're going to see in a movie is the closet door with a little opening you could peek out of. Yes, yes. A great device. Absolutely. And she watches there, and we see Marie's mom— or sorry, we see Alex's mom come into the room. So she's been attacked, but she's still alive. She's in bad shape. She's able to get— uh, the uh, cordless phone, and just then oh she God. looks into the closet and she sees that the Marie's there. But before she could even say anything or call the police, the I'm... killer comes in, not only virtually decapitates her, but cuts oh off God. her hand while Marie is silently trying not to scream in the closet. So there is blood spraying oh all God. over the wall. And then the killer leaves to go torture Alex and not yes. only in Alex's, we hear Alex's screams and it's horrible and the killer's like grunting, but also oh, we hear God. chains and we realize that Alex is being chained up. Like he's binding her up with chains he brought. Like this is part of his, he had a whole plan. He's got a whole kink. Yes, he's got it. He's been thinking about this for quite a while. Yes, it's planned. So Marie goes to call the police She uh, with the phone. She just hears static. As we find out, the phone line has been cut. So... Now they're fucked. She can't call out. Yeah. Just then she hears Tom running down the hallway and she has to make the decision, am I going to try to go help Tom or am I going to get Alex and we could try maybe do something together? And she goes oh to Alex. God. Also because she's in love with Alex. And she's, she's like, look, Tom's Alex. great, but like I'm going to go to Alex. he's not going to, right. Unfortunately, Alex is 
uh, you know, bound with chains that uh, Marie can't unlock. So not only is she chained up, but also she has a gag in her mouth that Alex can't undo. So she's with Alex, but she can't, like, pick her up and run with her. Like, you know, she's kind of physically stuck there. As she's trying to help Alex, we see Tom running off through the cornfield, doing the best he can to escape. He's eight, you know, he's using his best instincts. The killer gets a rifle out of his truck, and we just see a flash of light, and then Tom falls silent. And sad. So now Tom is dead as well. So the only people left alive are Marie and Alex. And Alex. And and Marie can't get Alex out of the room. Right. And she's like, okay, I'm going to figure something out. And she runs downstairs while the killer is coming back inside. And fortunately, the killer grabs mm-hmm. Alex, hauls her back to the truck. And Marie's sort of panicking. She ends up getting a butcher's knife and then sort of makes her way out of the kitchen and is slowly, like, sliding along the outside wall of the house. Because oh this God. killer... I mean, like, he doesn't know she's there, so that's her advantage. But, like, if he finds out, he'll kill it. He'll shoot you. He'll kill her easily. Yeah. Easily. So she's able to slip out of the kitchen, and while the killer is sort of creepily, like, going through their family photos, he, like, cuts Alex's (gasps) photo out of, like, a family portrait and is, like, petting it and, like, fondling it. While he's doing his creepo stuff, um, Marie's able to get into the truck with Alex. And she has the butcher knife. And her plan is, the like, the sliding door of the truck is open. She's crouched there waiting for the killer to come. And he's like, when she, he comes to check on Alex, I'm just going to stab him. I'm going to just hack him to death. And yeah. Alex is screaming, but again, she's gagged, so she's completely muffled. Right. And as Marie's waiting there, the killer comes, and then he just slides the door without looking inside and gets in. So now she is trapped in the, in the truck bed, or like the back of the oh truck, with Alex, and the killer is driving them away from the house. So oh now, we has to be like, okay, plan B. I'm in the truck. <laughs> you know, and obviously no. Alex is hysterical for as, you know, yes. as much as you could tell. Like, she's screaming right. and it's muffled. And, and Marie's telling her, like, it's okay, you know, we're going to figure this out. We see the killer add Alex's little torn-out photo head to a, mon- mm-hmm. um, a montage, not a montage, a collage, collage of photos of other women that he has clearly kidnapped before. Oh, my God. And I counted at least nine women's photos. Oh. So this guy has been doing this for a while, and he has— But, like, this has never been reported? Like, no and, one— Yes, and I think that's a great thing. That's a lot of—I had a lot of questions when you see the truck. I was like, this is a memorable truck. This is— yeah. Either this, this guy's guy. local, so people should be able to be like, oh, I remember seeing the truck. Or alternately, if he's from somewhere else, it's an eye-catching truck. In the same way with yes. um, Jeepers Creepers. Jeepers Creepers, yeah. If you're driving that truck, you're not trying to be discreet. In that case, you know, no. he was a, a demon, you're but— Flashy. Yeah. So Maria, so Maria's in, in, stuck in the back, and the, the killer is, like, playing the radio and drinking, and, like, he's just so happy— that yeah, he, he's, like, like doing his thing. Yeah, and ostensibly is going home or to his, you know, some second location, some mm-hmm. torture bunker or whatever. And uh, Alex keeps screaming, and Marie's like, just calm down, calm down. And then Marie follows Alex ga- Alex's gaze, and the inside of the truck is, like, clawed up with fingernail claw marks and blood. <gasps> Obviously, oh, other women have been okay. here fairly yes. recently. But yes. Marie tells Alex, those other girl- girls were alone. There are two of us, and I'm going to get you out of here. That's good. That's a. That's like a. The only way to cut, like to like try and assuage anything that's going on is to be like, we're different. There's two of us. Like yeah. that's smart thinking on her part. So, um, 
and also Marie still has the butcher knife. So Marie uses the butcher knife to pop the back window, which again is not like a traditional, it's not like a back windshield. It's like a delivery van and the back window is painted over. So she's able to pop it open, but they're still going. Luckily, uh, we see that the killer has to stop for gas. You thought of everything, but you didn't give yourself a full tank of gas, apparently. It's like, this is why they say always drive, never be at less than half tank. So they pull in, he's filling up, and she's able to pop the window open and climb out. Also, she doesn't have any shoes on, and it seems like it's kind of cold. So she is just like, you know, she's doing better than anyone could be at this point. And she leaves the butcher knife with Alex. Because she's like, if you have to fight him off, even though she is chained up, if she could hold it in her hand, maybe she could stab the guy. At least it's yeah. you're leaving her with a weapon. Yes, yes. So I'm like... But that leaves Marie yes. without a weapon. And it's, you know, it's the middle of the night. There's nobody there, but there is a gas station attendant. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, so Marie's, she's good to go. I feel bad yeah. about Alex. Like, that seems like right. she's maybe going to die. But Marie, if I'm her, I'm screaming all the way inside the gas station. Yes. She's yes. able to get inside, and she goes in, and she kind of shuts the door behind her, and the gas station attendant, his name is Jimmy, and he's like, uh, can I help you with something? And she said, call the police. And then she goes, and she hides, like, at the end cap of an aisle. Mm-hmm. And then the killer comes in, and he says, hey, Jimmy, how's it going? Like, how's your night going? They obviously know each other. He must be a local. But Jimmy— See, that's crazy. That he's a local? Yes. Do you mean it's crazy that he would risk— being seen, or it's crazy that he could act normal enough that people wouldn't be like, oh, that guy's a serial killer. It's crazy that he would risk being seen. Yes. And then also that, like, it's like, it doesn't seem like it's a big town. Like, they'd be like, all right, well, someone keeps kidnapping and, like, brutally killing women. I I just feel like somebody should be able to put together that it's him. (laughs) Jimmy is immediately tipped off that something is wrong. So, to Jimmy's credit, he does not tell the killer, hey, some lady just ran in here. I don't know what That's to do. That's great. Yeah. Because I don't have a ton of faith in people. Like, I, if, if I were him, I would be like, wow. Oh, there's a lady here. Like, hey, I would have you okay? Like, I would, I yeah. Be, yeah, I wouldn't be able to like, hi, like, oh, all right, I'm going to call the police. Anyway, what did you want? Like, it, I, I wouldn't be able to separate those two things. Um, and if Jimmy wasn't sure something was wrong, he definitely knows it's wrong when he sees the killer, who's actually, even in their conversation with Creepy, is like, hey, do any of the old rich ladies who live around here, like, come at night and ask for your services? And Jimmy's like, this is a gas station, sir. Yeah, like, and, um, But as the killer's, like, looking at the display of sunglasses, Jimmy sees that there's blood on the back of his hand. So Jimmy's like, okay, so okay. this is connected, so I'm not going to say anything. Good for Jimmy. The killer asked Jimmy— Finally, an ally. I know. A, a true ally to women. A true ally. <laughs> and unfortunately, we're about to see what happens to a true ally. Um, oh, no. The killer asked Jimmy, Jimmy, would you mind opening, like, the, the booze, the case, uh, so I can get um, more alcohol to drink while I'm driving? Oh, another problem with this movie. <laughs> God, um, this guy lives on the edge. And Jimmy's sort of like, he feels, you know, shaky, and there's a gun under the counter, but he does not grab it, which, huge mistake— um, Jimmy goes to open the case, and he's like, I'm not supposed to be selling liquor this late, so don't tell my boss. And the killer says, don't worry, I won't. And then just fucking swings an axe into Jimmy's chest and fucking starts hacking Jimmy apart. Jimmy didn't do anything wrong. Also, like, don't they know each other? Like... I, I guess it, not it, not enough for him to— I guess, unfortunately, to if not, you know the killer, you're going to end up being you're killed. You're more likely, <laughs> It's better yeah, to never meet yeah. him. 
It's true. And so Marie is able to slip out the back door and what she thinks is an exit, but unfortunately is a running downstairs into the bathrooms, which do not have any unlocked doors and they do not have any windows. Oh, oh my God. Meanwhile, the killer is like shutting off all the lights in this gas station, flips over the signs, essentially closing the gas station. So like, I guess it'll be longer or like people won't be able to find him. Yeah. And I will say at this time period, there probably wouldn't have been security tapes. Like it's some rural gas station. Yeah. Like I don't think you have a high tech security no, they weren't system. they were going to have... No. So I think he's sort of thinking like, okay, I'll just shut it down. And then by the time they find what happened, then I could be able to yeah. trace it back to me. Also, apparently I've been right. doing this for a long time and I know what I'm yeah, supposed to be doing. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Unfortunately, the killer realized that when he's sort of like, why, he speaks out loud to himself. He's like, what was Jimmy looking at? Like, why was he being so odd? And he's thinking there's somebody else here. And Jimmy was acting oh. so strangely because there must be somebody else here. So he goes down into it's the like, bathroom. It's like, also, bro, maybe he saw, he just saw the blood on you. Right, <laughs> like, maybe it's you. Hey, maybe you're the problem. Do you ever think about maybe that? Maybe you're the problem. And so he starts going down to the bathroom, bathrooms, and Marie is shaking, hiding in a bathroom stall, oh my God. you know, panicking. Oh There's nothing the she could do. There's woman. no way to escape, which is why this movie is so great. It's like a lot of moments yeah. are like, I don't know how this is going to go over for you. And we see him in the ladies' room, and he's slowly pushing open each stall door. She's not there. She's hiding in the men's room. He goes to the men's room. So you think, oh, God, he's going to do the exact same thing. Nah, he's just there to pee. He ends up peeing. He doesn't check the stalls, and he walks back out. And Marie almost immediately, like, pops her head back out. And I was like, bitch, I would be waiting there for four hours minimum. Yes, yes. Yes. Don't do it. I would need to hear that car driving away. Yes. And then I'd still stay there for an hour. Absolutely. She, But she waits for one second, and she's sort of like splashing her face in the sink, and you're like, oh, girl, he's going to show up. Luckily, she hears yeah. the truck start again. Okay. So he's going. But because we've established that she loves Alex, she is not right. going to just allow this person to take her. So she runs up to the phone. She calls the cops. And the cops— Okay. And I want to give—I'm sure 911, we've made a lot of progress— but the operator's like, well, where are you? Well, what was the what was the uh, truck's license plate? And I was like, I don't know. Like a, a giant monster demon truck yeah, with a crazy person Dragula, in it? if you see Dragula, if you see Rob Zombie, you know, slamming through the right. ditches, burning through the witches in a truck, that's the one. Which that's she kind it. of says, she's like, well, how many old trucks are there on, on the road in the middle of the night? Which I agree with. And then they say, like, so where are you? What's the address there? She's like, I don't know. I was abducted with my friend. Like, yeah, I'm at a gas station. A gas station. The gas station? I mean, like, how many gas, like, there's three? Like, how big of an area is this, you know, responder, like, responsible for? And he's like, well, I don't, you know, essentially giving her a lot of guff. And it's like, um, lady. Yeah. (laughs) And she, uh, Marie eventually is like, if I burn this place down, will you be able to fucking find it then? And she, (laughs) like, throws the receiver down. And uh, she decides she's going to go after him. So she she oh finds uh, Jimmy's gun under the counter, and she gets right. Jimmy. She found that. Yeah, and she gets Jimmy's uh, keys to his car, which is a very sickening, like yellow little sporty car with like black stripes down it. I was like, good for you, Jimmy. Like right. your one love, I'm imagining. So she gets into Jimmy's car, and then she fucking sets off following the truck to try to save Alex. And my question wow. to you, Allison, now is at this point in the film, who? Will survive. Who will survive? I mean, I guess Marie, just because we saw at the beginning that she's still alive. Though there's still, I mean, we could still like catch up to that time and she could die. But I think she survives. Um, I think Alex dies. And I think the killer dies. Okay, great. 
So dawn is like sort of starting to break. It's like still very, very early morning. And mm. the killer's like drunk. And at one point he pours vodka back through, like there's like a um, grate between the um, driver's seat yeah. and the back yeah, of the truck. That, yeah. Pours vodka on Alex and then threatens, oh. lights a cigarette and then is about to drop this, the match onto her body to set her light. Oh and she's of course screaming. And then also, like, you're driving, man. Like, <laughs> I guess, hey, no rules just right, you know, for the killer. Yeah. He doesn't give a yeah. fuck. It's out back. And he's laughing, and then finally he throws it out the window. Like, I'm not going to burn you. I'm just going to do whatever that happened to that poor yeah, lady's head gonna, we saw earlier. Yeah. Just going to decapitate you and fuck your head. And luckily, and Alex still has that butcher knife. So it's like, okay, okay, maybe she'll be able to. But again, she's bound. Like, so it's like, I don't know how much of a force you'll be able to right. have. Yeah. You know? My, like, wrist doesn't really, like, have enough strength to, like, cut right, through yeah. anything. Yeah, I don't know physics, but I feel like you need a little bit of a run-up if you're going to try to yeah, yeah. stab Some somebody. gravity is involved, I think. So the truck turns out, again, a log, weird country road that goes right through the middle of the forest, and Marie's like, all right, I'm doing I'm following it. So she's following this truck. Unfortunately, the killer clearly knows the area better than her. It's like a windy road, and the truck disappears. Marie's like, fuck. fuck. It must have turned off. I didn't see it. Suddenly, the truck pulls out behind her. And it starts, like, tailgating and then slamming into the back of her car while they're both speeding down this completely unlit country road. Oh, my God. This is so scary. She goes to grab the gun and, like, maybe try to, like, shoot back, which is, like, not something anyone could do. But as she does, the killer puts his hand out of the driver's side window, and he drops a handful of bullets. And we realize that he just stole the bullets out of Jimmy's gun when he was uh, sort of closing up shop. Oh, God damn it, this guy. So she has a gun. There ain't no bullets in it. Yeah, he there's nothing. There's no point. into the back of the car, drives off the road. She hits a log, and the car goes fucking airborne and flips over. And it essentially oh bursts God. into flames. Marie is able to get out of the car, but now she's badly injured in the yes. middle of the road. Without a weapon. Without a weapon. And the killer knows where she is because there's this huge you know, flame uh, lighting up the entire forest. But she's able Ah! to stagger off through the woods and she gets to these, like, abandoned, overgrown, rundown um, greenhouses. But clearly nobody's, like, works there, so it's not like, oh, people will come in the morning and help her. I don't know. But she's able to find a rag and she wraps it around her arm, which is bleeding, and she sees Mm -hmm. the killer has a flashlight. So it's just her, like, scrambling around in the dark, like, near all these plants and, like, these broken branches. Oh, my God. And she's able to pull up, like, a fence post with barbed wire wrapped around it to use as a weapon, which is a pretty cool one, I have to admit. All right. So it's like a club with barbed wire on the end. So at least she has something. Yeah. And she sees the flashlight and she's like, all right, fuck it, I'm going to go for it. But when she gets to the flashlight... It's just dangling from the top of the greenhouse. It's a trap. The killer leaps up behind her and puts the uh, plastic wrap over her head and starts to suffocate her before she could even get, you know, start swinging her weapon at her. Right. And he gets her, she passes out, he gets her on the ground, and and she's in and out of consciousness, and he's running a razor blade, his switch, like, um, (gasps) his straight razor over her throat and her body, and he jams his fingers into her mouth, and he says... What do you want with Alex? She turns you on. She turns me on too. So he's like distracted by being a creep, luckily. Yeah. So Marie's right. able to pick up a rock and smash it across his head. And he's Good. disoriented for enough time for her to grab her barbed wire pole. Her mace. <laughs> and just fucking start swinging into his head. And then because of the barbed wire, she has to like pull it out of his skin when oh. she swings it again. It is a gnarly scene. But she yeah. beats him into unconsciousness, and then she does the dumbest thing that she's done, because I feel like she's done a really great job in this movie. Yeah. 
He is passed out. He is, uh, she goes down to listen to his breath or feel his breath to see if he is alive. Allison, of course he's alive. And he grabs her because her face is two of inches course. from him. Right. So then she has to try to suffocate him with the plastic wrap. Okay. And finally, he struggles, but she's able to suffocate him, and he falls still, and Marie screams at the sky. And Allison, we still have 13 minutes of this film left. We I mean, see the police arrive at the gas station. Finally, I guess they piece it together. Oh, it's the one gas station in our tiny yeah. fucking town. They're like, oh, she was at the gas station. Right, exactly. It's like, why are you arguing? Just go to all three of them. And if somebody's right. dead there, that's the one I'm talking about. That's it. So they find Jamie's hacked a body. It turns out they do have a security camera, but only inside the oh. gas station. They, they go and try to review it. And what do they see on the security tape, Allison? I don't know, but I'm worried. Just, just pie in the sky, wild guess it. Do they see Marie beat Jimmy up? Yes. Marie is the one who kills Jimmy. What? We realize that there's no killer on the tape, which means they might not be a killer at all. Is it is it is the, is the tape like oh it looks like she killed him or is it like very clear that she killed him? It is very clear she is the one burying an axe in Jimmy's chest. Like she is clearly there's no one else there and she is the one murdering Ooh, Jimmy in the what? tape. What? Right. So now it's dawn and Marie is still in the woods and she's joyfully running up to the Dragula, opens it up and is uh he, she was able to steal the killer's keys and she's able what? to unlock the chains and she's like he's dead. It's over. <laughs> You're saying? He's dead. Just leave me alone. It's all over. Now he can never do anything to you again. You bitch, you're crazy. I'm going to tear you to shreds. It's me. It's me, Larry, your friend. I'm on your side. I killed him, Alex. It's finished. He's dead. What? Murdered my family. God damn it, my family. What? And, and Marie's like, no, I didn't do that. That's crazy. Like, you're you're just really distraught. Obviously, this killer is the one who did it. And Alex is like, I'm not here to argue with you. And Alex just stabs Marie in the stomach so Alex could escape. So Alex is now running through the woods. And as soon as we cut back to Marie, pulling the knife out of her stomach, it switches back to the killer. So we realize killer, the killer and Marie are the exact same person. Marie has oh, been right. the one. I forgot who about was, her dream. Yes. Yeah, so it turns out when she dreamed this, some who was chasing her through the woods, it was her. Which is interesting because in the dream, really, it wasn't her being chased. It should have been Alex being chased because that's what's about to right. happen. So now Marie is chasing Alex through the woods with a buzzsaw. And we switch back and forth between the killer and Marie. And they're both screaming, and, and she's screaming, like, I love you, Alex. I will take care of you. Alex, of course, is like, well, you already killed my Get whole family. Away from me. And I didn't right. even know this, but apparently killed that gas station attendant. And right. now in this actual true version of events, Alex is the one who runs to the road. The car is severe, and she runs up to the guy and it's like, please, you know, help me. She gets in the backseat of this car. The guy tries to start the car again. It will not start. People maintain the healthier cars. Go in and I get just don't up. understand you gotta how take many cars are. Just not prepared, not ready for anything. That's the point of having a car. It's expensive. Listen, we live in a capitalist society. People do not appreciate the amount of money that has to go into maintaining a car to do everything. So listen, this guy, I don't know his situation. Unfortunately, what this means is the killer slash Marie is able to run up the entire car, run over the top, and then jam the buzzsaw into the windshield and into the driver's chest Filling the, the car with blood, like it's a blood-filled aquarium. Like it's like dousing the inside of it while Alex sits in the back and screams. 
like not sure what to do, obviously. And the killer goes around to the side to the window to attack Alex or maybe potentially abduct her again. And we see Alex has gotten out of the far side of the car and is badly injured. There's like broken glass in the windshield in her Achilles tendon. And she's like clawing her way. She has like a, I think it's a crowbar. She has a weapon, but she's in bad shape. She's been in bad shape. And she's crawling and the killer comes after her and has the buzz on. He's like, you drive a woman crazy, you little slut. You don't love me. I know you don't love me. And Alex, who again is drenched in blood, is like, I do love you. I I really do. I, you know, and finally the killer puts on the buzzsaw and leans down to kiss Alex. But when the killer bends down, it's Marie's face that is kissing Alex. But luckily what that means is that she's close enough to Alex for Alex to stab her through the shoulder with a crowbar, which she does. And Marie repeats to her, nothing will come between us ever, ever again. And our last scene is the same scene we saw at the beginning, which is Marie rocking in a mental institution and we see Alex is watching her through like a two-way mirror. And she said, she can't see me, right? And just then Marie turns and looks at the mirror and sort of like holds her arms out towards Alex with a huge smile. And that's the end. What? Thoughts, feelings? <laughs> I mean, no, wow, twist. what a movie. What a twist. What a twist. Yep. What a twist. I was wrong. Um, now, Allison, tell me now. What do you think are some okay. fatal mistakes that people may have made during the during the movie? Fatal mistakes. I mean, well, now it's like I like had so many in mind, and now I'm like, well, now you have to reverse like <laughs> what those are, because um, Alex made the fatal mistake of bringing Marie to her parents' house. Yeah, introducing uh, Marie to your parents, absolutely. I guess my thing about the movie, my only issue with the movie, and I think that it's like, the movie is simply fine with us not knowing is, so is, who whose truck is that? Where did the truck come from? Was well, it Marie's truck? Did she have the right. equipment? Was that literally what was happening? Right. Or that, was she yeah, attacking them part, and the truck is just more of like another, it's similar to when we saw the killer is the truck not as it is. I don't know. Right. Like when, when she was driving after it, was she really driving the truck? Also like, so then like, did she ever steal that car? Like there is some, right. some confusion there. Yeah. And so like, listen, anyone could, maybe she owns a Dracula truck and that's, that's fine. Yeah. Maybe she stole it. I want to say, in terms of fatal mistakes, I think, like, if somebody's not into you, you just have to take, you know, you have to, they're allowed to feel what they feel, you know, and it's not it's right. not necessarily personal. In this case, it might have been. Maybe Alex was picking up on some yes. stuff going on. Um, but you just have to accept it, you know, and friendship is that valuable yeah. as a romantic relationship. Yeah. And I would say other fatal mistakes are there, fa- is her, uh, Alex's family not having, like, way more ways to contact people? Yes. Yeah, once, and if, also, if you could have your phone the, line cut and then that's it, you gotta that's have that's a, a plan bad B. setup. You gotta have some backups. You gotta have um, some ways to communicate when you're that far away from other people. Yeah. Um, so. I wanted to play a little game. It's called "You're a Guest Ooh. in This House" because this okay. is about you know the the killer. This is being yes. hunted, uh, having to hunt. But this is mm-hmm. also about being a house guest. Yes, it is. And Marie was, I would say, one of the worst house guests you could imagine. So I wanted to. Uh, uh, ask you the answers to some common house guest questions okay. and see if your answers match up with the experts. The experts being Diana Gotsman, who is a national etiquette, etiquette expert. I don't know who decides that. Author of Modern Etiquette for a Better Life and the founder of the Protocol School of Texas, which I hope is an etiquette school and is not some sort of very dubious 
you know, yeah, evangelical. Sounds, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it camp. sounds like a like a crisis pregnancy center. <laughs> now, Allison, let me ask you: Do you always need to bring your host or hostess a gift? I think so. And what would you bring if you were to be staying at a person's house? Was I am I in love with them and I'm planning to murder their family? Or <laughs> that's up to you. But knowing you, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm so murderous. Um, I always think like a bottle of wine or some fancy coffees or teas or flowers um, for like just general where you like don't know the people super well or like really like a nice baked good from like a a good bakery. Those are all really nice gifts to bring if you're staying somewhere. If you're staying somewhere long-term, I think you need to like be more, like either like prepare dinner one night Mm -hmm. or bring like a nicer like, uh, home good, like a like a beautiful crystal bowl is something that you can give someone. Well, Allison, you're correct. She also yeah. suggests a little box of stationery if you're staying a short time. Mm. Okay. Should you expect your host to provide transportation to and from the airport or during your stay? This is an important one. I feel like in New York, it was less of an issue, yeah. but in LA, I think this is an I issue. will say this is kind of city specific. Mm-hmm. In a major city like New York or even like Chicago or other cities where like there is public transport that is built around getting from the airport to like a place where people mm-hmm. live, I would not expect it. But in a place like LA, if I'm staying with people, I am like, I guess like you just have to ask if what the plan is. Exactly. And like not expect that they would provide it, but like be clear that you are not providing it. And then if if they're like, neither are we, then you're like, okay, well now I'll guess I'll get a car. Right. Or as Diane Gotsman puts it, I say don't expect anything. And then yeah. finally, Allison, perhaps the most integral question to staying mm-hmm. at another person's home is, what should I do, mm-hmm. what should you do if you clog the toilet? Oh, wow. I think like definitely go the route that like you think might get it fixed if you know what that is, like, I, I understand, like, a ba- the basic plumbing of a clogged toilet. And, like, if that's all laid out for me and I'm like, okay, it's just this, I mm-hmm. might tr- I think I would have to tell someone immediately so I don't make it worse. Right. They say, if, you know, if you feel comfortable and there's a plunger, take care of it. If, if you don't, discreetly tell your host so they can take care of it before the next guest needs to use the restroom. Okay? Yes. And most importantly, do not kill the family you're staying with. We mm-hmm. just want to emphasize mm-hmm. that. Above everything yeah, else. that's like really poor form. Um, and then finally, let's that brings us to the spooky scale, our scale which measures how spooky a movie is, not whether or not we enjoyed it. In this case, I mm-hmm. I think high marks for both. I think it's a great movie that yeah. I enjoyed a lot, and also very scary. A spooky scale. I mean, I think I want to give this a nine. Great. Yeah. I think that it's like it was scary all the way through, and then that twist is mm-hmm. scary. So it's like. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, things were kind of scary, but then like the twist, but this was like nonstop scares. I give it a nine. Yeah, I'm going to give it a nine too. Genuinely scary. Oh, wow. And my, my favorite kind of Wins. movie, which we've talked the whole time, unrelenting, you know? So it's like, yes. you don't have a chance to be like, oh, they're going to be safe. No, there's yeah, something else that's going to happen. Constant, like breath hold. Like, I feel like it was like, it is tense the whole time. Again, a really aptly named film. Oh, and so I wanted to read real quick the. So these are. Oh, yeah, the, what did we not see? So these are the moments that were cut out of the version I saw that mm-hmm. um, lowered the NC's original NC 17 rating of the film to an R rating to be released in American cinemas. <clears throat> Which I guess you can get on DVD, but it doesn't sound like the DVD is that easy to find. So. I, also, I don't know what to do with the DVD. 
So <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah, you can get it on VHS, <laughs> but you know, you just gotta look at it. Okay. So um when we see Alex's father get decapitated by the bureau, which they identify as a bookcase. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, the in the original version, it's a much longer video, a Ugh. much longer clip. Um, right. When Alex's mother has her throat slashed, the scene is shortened. So it looks like it's just we're sh- it's the exact same scenes, but we're shorter. We're shortening the amount of actual gore we're seeing. Um, okay. The death of Jimmy has been shortened. Um, okay. Good. Yeah. The, there's a scene where, where Marie strikes the killer's face with a barbed wire. That is shortened and, quote, less explicit, which is fun. Okay. Um, and then uh, the the driver's disembowelment with a concrete with a concrete saw, the buzz saw, was shortened, so you didn't see quite as much. And then okay. uh, the close-up of when uh, Alex drives the crowbar into Marie's shoulder uh, is missing. So okay. I guess what we're saying is so it is nothing, the same film, but we're just cutting out how much of the actual gore we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that seems, and I'll be honest, all those scenes, I think I saw plenty. I think I saw it yeah, just I, enough. I don't think anything needs to be longer, so. No. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed this. Um, if you yes. didn't, man, I'm sorry, but come back in again next yeah. week and maybe it'll too be bad. a movie you liked better. Too bad is what I say. No, yeah, please, too bad. please keep listening. Please, we would um, love so that. please rate and review. Um, it helps us. Uh, obey the algorithm that controls all of our online lives and you can send Uh, us suggestions and comments and again light very light critique to ruined at the radiopoint.com and you can follow and questions yeah questions ask us questions we'll we'll answer any question and we would love to so please send us questions to ruined yeah keep within the realm we would answer most questions I feel I have faith that our listeners are not psychopaths Um, wow even after listening to all these movies. I know, I know. And always, as always, you could follow us at, um, on, at Ruined Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And uh, as always, please. I think we, we have to. Well, before you do anything else, keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. At Founders Brewing Company, we set out to create a beer that lets you embrace the unconventional. Mortal Bloom is a radiantly beautiful, hazy IPA that will wrap your taste buds with intense citrus and tropical notes of pineapple and mango. Coming in at 6.2% ABV with big aromatics and no bitterness, it's the perfect beer, if we do say so ourselves. Visit foundersbrewing.com to find Mortal Bloom Hazy IPA.